In this book, which is called Boom and Bust, which if we're being honest, sounds a bit like the title of a finance themed adult movie, Boom and Bust. In the book, Fred Harrison lays out his theory for 18 year property cycles. He goes on to argue that property, like many other economic activities, move through five very predictable stages. Expansion, peak, recession, trough, and then recovery. It's purely coincidence, but those five categories also describe the character arc of our main character within our finance adult movie. But anyway, it looks a little like this on a graph. Fred's work became popular and was adopted by the world at large for a few reasons. Firstly, he correctly predicted the financial crisis before it happened, as he so proudly advertises on the cover of his book right here. Also add to this point that his 18 year timeline seems to perfectly stack up with every major drop in UK house prices for uh, about 100 years especially those in more recent memory in the 50s, 70s, and late 80s, early 90s. In fact, when I was hitting the research papers in preparation for this video, you know, I love a research paper, I found a similar 18 year or thereabouts timescale quoted all over the show. You got Newman in 1935, Came Cross in 1934, Abramovitz 1964, and Lewis 1965. For about 100 years or so, it's been widely accepted that property tends to move in cycles that last about two decades. So with that information, with this 18 year measure and armed with the knowledge that house prices last dropped in the UK in 2008-2009, we can then say we are right here on the graph and shouldn't expect a pullback until 2026. Case closed, thank you Fred. Not quite. Now while I do think boom and bust cycles exist and are really just a representation of human emotion playing out over and over again in a cycle within financial markets, a hard and fast rule of 18 years implies a level of predictability within property that I just don't think exists. Apathenia is the human tendency to look for patterns and create connections in unrelated things. It can be why people think they see Jesus on toast. Jesus in melted cheese. Or why roulette gamblers think they can see patterns within the numbers. Or why people look for that Illuminati triangle thing all over the place. Now don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that Fred's work is akin to Christ on a crumpet, but I do think a hard and fast rule of 18 years at best is a self-fulfilling prophecy. Because how can it take into account random events? Fred himself in his book states that things like a world war can throw property cycles all over over the show. Do you think he saw the global pandemic coming? Where's that on the front of your book, Fred? But luckily for us, we do have a good idea of the sorts of things that impact property prices both in the short and long term. And we can examine those factors to see if the momentum is shifting at the moment and if that's likely to cause a decline in house prices. Let's start with a biggie first of all, low interest rates. The first quarter of the year saw record demand for houses from potential buyers. Seven in 10 homes sold above asking price as buyers flooded into the market, racing to snap up homes. But why? What was so special about the first quarter of the year? Well, it became apparent that interest rates were going to rise and that would mean that so would the cost of mortgages. And with that would mean higher monthly payments and thus people's affordability would worsen as a result. All this activity in the first quarter of the year is a result of people thinking that good times are coming to an end because since 2000, 2007-2008 we've been in this really low interest rate environment which has made mortgages comparatively cheap for people. It meant that they could afford more on a monthly basis because their mortgage deals, the interest associated with them was so low. Now that those rates have started to rise it's raising concerns on both sides of the fence. The average homeowner with a £224,000 mortgage can expect to pay £1,000 extra in interest a year as a result of these interest rate rises if they get a new deal. But it isn't just on the individual side, you know, the you and me and our affordability where 
things need to be taken into consideration. Lenders look at affordability as well. And they're going to have a few worries. They're going to sit there thinking, if interest rates continue to rise, people's affordability will be less. So we're going to tighten up our lending criteria and not just dish out loans to anyone. As well as that, they're probably going to look at the values of homes and question, is this home really worth that much? Stories are already circulating that lenders are refusing to accept offers on properties and are slashing valuations. You can bid whatever you want for a property, but if your lender doesn't agree with that valuation and you need the finance from them in order to pay for it, it doesn't mean anything. Because they could just turn around and go, we're not lending you that much money because we don't agree with that price. These concerns around affordability and the knock-on impact it's having on valuations of properties are all really down to our next factor, inflation. Now, while inflation in the main will cause asset prices to rise, which is good for anyone who holds them, for those people who are looking to buy them, their affordability is stretched as inflation diminishes the purchasing power of the pounds or dollars in their pockets. There is a cost of living crisis at the minute, meaning everything gets more expensive, which means people can afford less monthly payments on a mortgage and also can't save as much because they simply don't have as much money to put away each month. We are currently seeing inflation rates at the highest levels in over 30 years. Now, rising interest rates and inflation don't automatically equal fall in house prices. That all depends on the third factor and if that can keep up, which is rising wages. How much mortgage you can afford is typically calculated as a multiple of your income. So let's say a mortgage provider says you can have four times whatever your income is. Now, if prices of properties continue to rise, that isn't an issue as long as wages keep up with them. But they're not. Wage growth was around 4 to 5%, depending on if you factor in bonuses or not, between December 2021 and February 2022. Inflation is probably around 10%, which means wages are not growing at the same pace as inflation is rising. In fact, if we look at the data that compares average house prices versus average wages. The average UK salary, according to HMRC, is around £24,600. The average house price in the UK is around £278,000. That is over 10 times the average salary. Now, I am aware that average salaries mean nothing. Footballers boost those figures up and it depends where you live in the country. The same with the average house price. But let's say we went 25k to 30k average salary and 200k to 300k for the average house. Anyway, you slice it, we're looking at over eight times the average salary to buy a home in the UK. This is worrying because in 120 years of property data, the average price of a home has only ever gone over eight times income twice. Just before the financial crisis and at the start of the 20th century, in both examples, prices drop shortly after. Really, it's simple. Unless lenders are prepared to lend 10 times people's incomes or buyers are prepared to save up huge deposits, the demand for homes at 10 times the average salary will just dry up. First-time buyers made up around 48% of all transactions in 2021. If first-time buyers can't afford to buy, you can expect demand just to dry up. As well as that, people already in homes looking to potentially upgrade a home, move to a bigger place, they're faced with this dilemma at the minute that they might be on a good mortgage deal at the minute, and if they migrate to a new property, they're going to need to apply for a new mortgage at a more expensive rate. So while they're also going to be buying a more expensive home, it's also going to cost them more on a monthly basis just to get in that place because of the mortgage deal. This affordability problem is likely why we've seen London house prices rise the least over the time period by quite some way. There is simply just not enough room in people's affordability to support double-digit growth like the rest of the country. Do you hope to own your own home one day? Yes. Do you think that's a possibility? No. If you stop watching the video here, you're going to have a pretty bleak outlook on the future of property in this country. What with raising prices, decreased affordability and shrinking wages relative to inflation, you're going to think, well, the only option is for prices to come down or for everyone to get a fat pay rise. And that ain't going to happen, is it? But 
There are other factors at play that we need to consider here. I also need to consider getting some WD-40 for this chair, because I don't know if you can hear it, but it squeaks all the time. Does anyone know how to make a chair not squeak? I do love this chair. I mean, look how far I can lie back on it. I mean, I'm proper chilling here. It's a great chair. It just squeaks a lot. But anyway, there are factors at play in the property market that keep the prices where they are, that act as an upward force on prices that might just negate the affordability stuff. First of all, let's talk about the lack of supply. In the UK alone, we need about 340,000 homes a year just to meet demand. We build about 200,000 odd. Good job. Good job, guys. So we're just nowhere near hitting this building target. The skeptics amongst us will say that the people in power have very little interest in dumping loads of properties on the market and thus reducing house prices. You've got to blame government, haven't you? The government, if they wanted to, could do something about this. They recently scrapped a load of reforms to planning that would have made it a lot easier for people to build or builders to build. And instead of introduced a watered down version, it was announced in the Queen's speech and really it is quite disappointing and shows that this problem isn't gonna fix itself anytime soon. We don't have enough homes and as long as that continues, demand will remain high. And that's further buoyed now by Gen Z coming of prime home buying age. They're the largest generation ever and they are approaching peak home buying age. Add that to the mix with all the financially broken millennials who were the first generation in history to be poorer than their parents, but you know, blame it on the avocado toast. It's nothing to do with the fact that they came of age during the worst financial crisis in living memory. When I was trying to buy my first home, I wasn't buying. Smashed avocados for 19 bucks. And so yeah, there's a lot of people that want to buy homes and there's not many homes for them to buy. Also, add to this supply demand debate, we need to make a distinction between houses and flats. There's a clear trend now that houses are in more demand than apartments. As more people work from home, the race for space, as it's called, means that people are leaving their apartments and want homes instead with gardens and more space. Go on to right move right now and look at your local city and just see how many listings you get for houses versus flats. Maybe in time the trend will reverse again and people will move out of the homes back into city centres because they represent good value because the apartments are cheap or we get pressure from businesses who are spending millions a year on offices in city centre locations and no one's working in them anymore because they're all working from home. As soon as that pressure comes people might think I don't want to commute from a rural location, I'm gonna move back into the city. Who knows? But when it comes to this market crash or property crash that the media peddles constantly, I just think we need a little bit of context. What made the 0708 crash so devastating was people borrow too much, no income, no job, 110% mortgages at 10 times their income. Firm offers uh, ninja loans, no income, no, no job. No, I just leave the income section blank if I want. Corporate doesn't care. So me and Cobweb are just editing the video at the minute and I think it kind of comes across like I'm blaming the individual for the 2007-2008 financial crisis. I just want to put this in to say I don't think it was the individual's fault at all. It was greedy bankers, a corrupt financial system and a lack of regulation designed to protect individuals that led to the mess. But when things went bad and those individuals had no ability to pay their mortgages, they were also trapped in negative equity because they borrowed too much against the home. Nowadays, while affordability looks stretched, it seems that people are on a much better financial footing. Deposit requirements mean that many people have a built-in cushion in their home to weather any drop in property prices. Interest rates remain near historic lows, and yes, they are rising. They're just nowhere near even the historical average, let alone some of the 15% rates that we've seen in the past. And the multiples that are applied to earnings in order order to purchase properties, which are a signal of, you know, how stretched people are, haven't got to crazy levels like in 2007 just yet. 
I think the days of double-digit growth for properties are probably over. And if you made me bet, I would say that the market will be pretty flat at best, or we might see a drop in prices over the course of the year, but not to the levels of 2007, 2008. More a correction than a crash. So while I think growth will slow, I don't think we're gonna see a massive drop in property prices just yet because supply is still very much an issue. Estate agents are reporting they're getting less houses onto the market and then existing owners aren't selling up at the minute because there's a lack of options. They're just sitting it out thinking, why sell my house when I can't buy something else? In the financial crisis, people had to sell their homes, meaning some people knocked 40% off the asking price. I don't think the same level of pressure exists now, even if we enter a recession. I simply think people can afford to just wait it out. Now I know for many, especially first time buyers, buying at the minute can be scary because the narrative seems to suggest that prices are going to drop in the coming months and no one wants to buy a property and then prices fall away. But sitting on the sidelines for the last two years, I mean, look at what you've missed out on if you decided after COVID. I'm going to wait because as soon as the stamp duty relief ends, property prices are going to fall. They didn't. I think you need to watch this video next if you sat in that predicament at the moment, because in this video I cover, you know, is now a good time to buy and the information is still very much relevant to today.